Well, everybody knows it's about my voice now, so that's for sure. And it's a beautiful voice, that one. One of unity, one of togetherness, one of peace, one of love, you know. That's the way forward. Oga, oga. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for, for meeting me. Um, I know it's kind of evening your time right now, so 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 appreciate your time. Man. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Really, really happy to be on your podcast. Um, and yeah, all good here, just in a chilly Harare. <laughs> I heard it was, not to talk about the weather, but I heard it was like something crazy, like four degrees. Um, a yeah, few. It's, it's been insane. pretty weird. It feels like I've been back in the UK. Um, not, not like Zimbabwe weather that we used to. Ah, oh, geez. Well, I guess some variety every now and again is good. But for everyone listening, you're, you're in Harare right now. And um, I know, of course, tell, introduce yourself so everyone knows who you are and where you currently work right now. Yeah. Sure. Um, so my name is Alex Breitenstein, and I'm mm -hmm. currently working uh, at Bereka. Um, so we're a new startup, and I am the managing director. Terrific, terrific. And well, I guess I'm going to talk about Bereka. And what does Bereka do? Of course, I know, but just everyone's listening, then I'm going to go into a little bit more depth around it. Sure. So, so we've partnered with Mukuru.com and mm -hmm. we are offering a last mile delivery service. So um, I guess you could think of us as us bringing the booth to you. So mm -hmm. instead of someone having to go to a booth and queue, um, wait, you know, to collect their money, we will, we will um, speed up that process and bring that, that to your door for a small delivery fee. That's really cool. Um, I was telling you when we first, when we had a first conversation last week, I used to run a, a man, small manufacturing business out in Chitungiza um, in 2000 and it's been 2017 for two years anyway. And I used to bank with EcoBank and there was like a, my, my local branch was EcoBank Chitungiza and they had like a small little shopping center there and there were a bunch of wholesalers around there. Anyway, I would of course, I would go through cause there was like two lines and there was the line where I just go, and that was when you could just withdraw cash. It was crazy. You withdraw like five grand, or whatever, much however much yeah. I needed. That was when you could actually withdraw that much. Yeah, anyway, things are <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I'm like, how? Looking back, I was like, I'm going to take ten thousand. It was crazy of how much you could just withdraw at that time. But anyway, the point I make is that when I would come, there would always be a queue of people in the Mukuru, specifically in the Ecobank. There was always a queue of people who were queuing to get cash at Mukuru, like literally go out there. And every time I'll go every week and it would happen all the time. So, so when you told me about some of the work you guys are doing, which is like, basically, if I'm correct, it's so that people have to avoid that queue. Um, is, that, is that correct? Walk me through it. Like, so people make sense. So it makes sense for me. Yeah. So uh, I think, I mean, obviously Mukuru has gotten a lot better with how they're handling their yeah. queues and things are starting to move a lot quicker. Um, mm. But what we just trying to provide is, you know, in quite a few scenarios, you get people who perhaps don't have time in their day to go to mm. a booth and mm. collect money. Or, um, you know, recently we served some people in hospital, which was mm. really cool in, in Tritanguiza. Um, mm. We served some elderly ladies where they, they're in hospital, they can't get to a booth. So um, that's where, you know, Pareka really comes in and it's mm. quite an awesome service that we can offer. So, you know, we, we took them their money in hospital and then... Um, 
they they can use it as they as they need um, and so require. But yeah, so it's it's just kind of um, offering workers perhaps you know if you're at work and you and you can't take the time to get to a booth or mm. you just want that convenience factor. Um, you know, similar to to how it is in the first world with with Uber Eats, if you want mm. food to your doorstep, etc. We trying to we trying to offer that with um, Mukuru Cash, which is which is pretty cool. It's incredibly cool, and I was reading this statistic the other day, which talked about was what rather I was watching like a panel, and it was striving to see we're talking to some students about e-commerce in terms of how the previous generation of entrepreneurs has built like a, a great foundation in terms of technology and fiber and data. But then of course it's like, look, I can't, they won't be here forever. So it's about people who can build things on top of the platform of technology that has been built already. And the thing, and then people said, what do you think is coming next? Like, what, is you, what do you feel bullish about? And he was like a little kid talking about, he's like e-commerce is the next thing. And, he, and, he, and then the stat, I don't know, I need to of course fact check it and see where the, the statistic came from. But the statistic he used was 3% of people on the African continent have bought something online. Wow. Like actual like 3%. That was the stat that he said, 3%. And then he said 80% of the 3% are in South Africa. Wow. I said, that's I said that like blue. And of course, I have to like, don't fact, don't quote me on that. But that's what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. Now I was like, goodness. So I, of course, but we, what we all can say for sure is that e-commerce is so, there's so much to come from it, you know? So I, I kind of started to think of the work that you guys are doing and the, obviously the challenge becomes like, but in countries like America or Britain or wherever, where there's a lot of disposable income, it's quite, not as easy, but e-commerce can kind of flourish. So when I saw what some of the work that you guys were doing, it was like, wow, Okay, some person, some people earn like two hundred dollars a month, you know, truthfully. Yeah. And if you can build trust, because when you're earning that much money, it's about like every cent matters. Literally, every cent matters. So what you guys are doing, which is very powerful, I'm sure you realize this, but like, if I can trust you with two dollars or one dollar, there's an end, and we build that trust consistently over a good period of time. There. That's a phenomenal way to build a to build a great business, not just like in Zimbabwe, but I think in many African countries at at, at large. So I, that's yeah. how I think the work you guys are doing is so big. But what's your take on you know I don't know if on the, my little spiel? Are you no, quite no, bullish think, on that? I, I think it's fascinating. I think in in terms of Africa, obviously, <laughs> uh, we've got opportunity to leapfrog, um, and we see that happening quite a lot with you know the tech the tech space. Um, I think Zimbabwe, the e-commerce space is is very behind. Uh, obviously, I think there's um, a few inhibitors there, mainly you know how you pay online, mm -hmm. etc. Um, mm. But I think for for Bereka, it becomes quite interesting if there is opportunities down the line. Once once we build that trust with our customer, with um, you know, hey, Dumi, I've I've got your money here from Makuru, but would mm -hmm. you like to potentially put some you know oil in your on your on the on the back of our motorbike, and we can deliver you oil as well. Um, and then mm. obviously that benefits the end consumer because they're getting, you know, their, their Mukuru cash, a bit of oil or grocery, mm. maybe. Um, so I think, I think e-commerce is fascinating. I still think there's a few, a few barriers in Zim, um, to get to kind of where mm. we need to be, but, um, mm. I certainly think it's, it's not far around the corner where, where it's probably going to completely take off. Mm. On the, on the last point, you talked about like barriers, but you need to kind of overcome, um, What's nice, I think, with your business is that it's kind of like Zim, Zim 
offers a nice testing office not no african country is the same but our of course economic conditions are very challenging <laughs> so yeah. so if you're <laughs> so if you can test and iterate and build something that's quite that's relevant there that that, that provides a great platform to of course you know build businesses in other parts of um of, of sub-saharan africa as well um yeah what have you always been a person that's been like bullish on solutions or zimbabwean solutions or african solutions um, um i would say so yes so i've always been so my background is i did a, a degree in geology um mm. but i kind of never thought i'd go down that route i just did it because i found it fascinating um but mm. since i've been a young kid i've always wanted to be an entrepreneur so I remember from from being a youngster, you know, kind of trying to sell perfume that I tried to make with my mom's lavender lavender plants back in the day um, on the side of the road. Uh, so I've I've always been very big on on solutions to Zimbabwe. Um, mm. I think there's there's lots of issues here that you know you can bring first world issues and uh, first world solutions and and solve problems here. Um, I think mm. there's big opportunity in Zim, and it's it's really cool to to try and get stuck into it. Absolutely. Well, speaking on that, let's go back to your childhood. Um, where were you born? Um, did you have any siblings? Yeah, what was your upbringing like? Sure. So I was born in, well, I grew up in Chagutu. Um, mm. And yeah, so my dad runs Dodhill, Dodhill Farm. Uh, I don't know mm -hmm. if you probably ever stopped on the way. There's Dodhill Nursery there as you go on okay. the way. Uh, okay. And yeah, so I've got a, an older brother and he's he's managing Dodhill there. And then I've also got mm -hmm. an older who's also involved in the family business so mm -hmm. we were yeah, so i grew up there for a while and then moved into town and went to to st john's i know you're you're st john's boy as well yes um, junior school absolutely absolutely yeah. absolutely so you are so your parents are farmers and you you i think you mentioned you went to brighton when you were in yes yes i did my first grade one to three at brighton yeah and did you guys move to Harare or did you kind of do this thing where you kind of came back and forth um, from uh, so, we, to Harare? Mm -hmm. so we moved to Harare yeah mm, got you got you that's really cool um and you talked about how when you were young you wanted to you're always very creative and entrepreneurial um lavender so what were some of the projects that you even you mentioned the perfume what were some other projects you worked on when you were a kid just out of curiosity um, so so lavender the lavender perfume then there was kind of the little tractors that you that you buy you know the uh you know when you're driving along the road and you see those really yeah. talented people that pull those trucks yes with, of course tractors with wire and wooden stuff yes so of course try to kind of try to sell those as well little little things like that <laughs> nothing, nothing really worked to be completely honest um it was good and good. yeah and then more recently i also tried to do with a friend of mine, just as a side project, we tried to make um, bio briquettes just out of out of industrial uh, waste. Yeah, industrial waste. waste. Just to see if we could try stop deforestation and stuff, but we couldn't really get the mixture correct. To be completely honest, mm. um, and, then, and then, yeah, I had other work as well that I kind of needed to focus on a bit more. But that was also just a, a fun little side project that we tried as well. It's a great project. I also looked into that a while ago. But so my, my parents are in the waste business. So okay. they they dispose of industrial and domestic like that's the they have trucks and stuff. So I was always like, wait, surely there's a way we can use this waste into something that's useful and not just dispose it to city council every. But Absolutely. anyway, that's a, that's a different. Yeah. We can talk about it. Other day. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I'm glad you and did your parents always encourage like your your entrepreneurial spirit, if I can call it that. 
Yeah, so my parents have always been been super supportive. Um, my dad in particular has always just kind of like go for it. I had a mm. um, so I was working abroad, and when I came back, I tried to bring a solution that I was uh, involved in in Singapore, and we tried to bring it to Zim, um, mm-hmm. in the banking space. And yeah, he's he's always been like, you know, go for it, and you know, if you're gonna fail, fail fast. Um, which mm. is something mm. something that happened there that didn't work, but it's probably some of the best lessons. I'm glad I learned those lessons before I started Bereka, because I, I think mm. to just expect that you're gonna. Some people do, but to expect you're just gonna succeed straight away. Um, is, was probably a bit naive on my part, and I've learned quite a few important lessons, business lessons and life lessons as well. Mm, good. The the journey into entrepreneurship, I feel like it happens with, the, well, there are no singular rules to this thing, but I feel like it happens with like baby steps. You have to feel almost comfortable creating small, even from like a kid's age, like, can I create a small, maybe try sell perfume. Those are good seeds to fan at a very young age because it gives you confidence to like grow up and try things the older you get. Um, but when you went to university, I was doing some of my digging and you, I think you went to school after high school, you went to, you go to New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Why, yes, why right. there? Why there out of curiosity? Um, so I was fortunate to have the opportunity, opportunity to go to either South Africa or New Zealand. Um, and for me, I kind of just wanted something very different. Uh, South Africa is obviously pretty similar to yeah. Zim in a lot of ways. A lot of my friends were going to South Africa and I guess I kind of wanted to break away from the norm and just to experience something completely new. Um, so yeah, I had, a, I had a great three years in New Zealand. It was, it was incredible. Lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and was it one, I'm sure it must've been incredibly different. I've never been, I have a cousin that's there, but I've heard it's beautiful. Um, and what did you want to study? You said you did geology, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So yeah, I did a I did a degree in geology, um, and also then I did some business papers on the side as well. So I got a in, mm. a minor in management, and I did quite a few economics papers as well. Really mm-hmm. enjoyed economics at uni. Um, but then when I chose my major, I just decided to go with geology because I found it quite fascinating. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, really interesting and challenging. Um, and it was something mm. that I'd never really learned about, or you know. Um, I had this fascination with driving around, particularly in New Zealand, when you go in there and you're looking at this beautiful landscape, experiencing an earthquake, that kind of stuff, and you're wondering mm. what's actually <laughs> happening. So it was quite cool to to learn about it. That's really cool. Um, that's cool. I think it's also like uh, something that's indicative. Now. Not that to say that everyone who comes from areas that are rich in geology have this fasc- have people have that fascination, but especially where we're coming from, where we come from. There's so many people that know a geologist because there's such an, it's very rich in beauty and industrial minerals, right? Um, so were you one of those kids where your parents would obviously take you out to like, would they ever take you out to, I don't know, Matopos or other parts um, of the country to get a feel of what those, you know, the rocks yeah, and stuff? So, like not necessarily from a geological standpoint, but right. uh, we've been, Just, you know, right. we, we really enjoy the outdoors. So growing up, we would go spend a lot of the time in the bush or, you know, be outside. Mm. Um, so that was definitely a, a big part of my childhood growing up, was always being outside. And, and that probably, yeah, fueled my curiosity, I guess. Mm, mm. But it's one thing to say, I've studied, I always think like you should follow your curiosity. I think even if it seems random, it's good. It, it, like it has like a reason why it's taking you there. But it's one thing to like, sometimes we always have, there's always that, you know, that feeling when you finish your undergraduate degree, if you, if you, if you do one, especially abroad, it's like, um, do I stay? 
do yeah. I, or what's the next thing, you know, next steps. Yeah. what was your thinking when you wanted to figure out? Cause some people say there's always this hunch to say, I want to come back home. Or some people want to just stay and say, I made it out. Somewhere just stay. Exactly. Yeah. What, what was your thinking? So I, I knew I wanted to get some first world experience and be out of Zimbabwe for, for a while. Uh, so post New Zealand, well, I was actually currently still in my, in my degree. I was, I had one more semester to go back to. And I visited mm-hmm. my brother in London. Uh, he mm-hmm. was working there. And I spent two weeks with him and I was sold on London after that. So, <laughs> so my degree, literally the day after my exams, I was on the plane over to London. And yeah, and uh, in London, I got a, a graduate job um, in the financial services space. So it, the company I worked for uh, was called JDX. I think they've just rebranded to Delta Capital or something. Like that, mm-hmm. uh, they, were, they were pretty fascinating. They they don't want people with the same degree. They they try to find people diversity, from, diversity. Yeah, exactly. So you all think mm-hmm. out the box, and you're not thinking the same way. Different uh, which perspectives. Was, yeah. So that mm-hmm. was really cool. So I went from geology into into financial services, which was a big shift. But I I enjoyed the corporate. I, I enjoyed it to an extent, getting into a corporate. And the, the, a the, London, the London, London hustle, the London hustle, right, and right, the right. Yeah. right. But then that faded after a couple of years and I was like, no, I, I don't it's want to. It's shiny. It's shiny. It, it it's is shiny. shiny. I can, I don't blame you, especially like, I don't know, like this time of the year, London in the summer, I don't, there are very few places in the world that are as shiny as London in the summer when the sun is out and there's Wimbledon and oh my goodness. I think it's the best place in the world. <laughs> it's the best place yeah. in the world. <laughs> Fact. Fact. Is <laughs> this is the best. Obviously, in the summer, when the sun goes away, it's not as glamorous. But in the summer, everyone's have It's just a different world. So I don't. I don't blame you for that. Um, but as you say, like, like for me, my for me, my thing for that, I wanted to be, live in Johannesburg. That was like the thing. Oh. So I got to be in Johannesburg. I got to be in Johannesburg. Um, but of course, the, every big city sometimes, after at least for me, at least after a while, the older you get, the allure where fades off like it's not as shiny as it more when it was to you realize oh okay is this yeah. really it until i'm 60 like in this big engine just, yeah, just, stuck in a, stuck just in stuck. nine to five kind of nine thing. to five you can't this is it until i'm 60 god forbid exactly. um this this can't be it you know do you have a similar sentiments when you're there after a couple of years Abs- absolutely i remember being stuck on the northern line in london uh, quite a few times where you you're you know, jam packed like uh, like (laughs) just in the sardines in the thing. And and I remember being on there with with some older people, you know, commuting to work as Mm. well. And I was like, I I don't want to do this when I'm when I'm 50, 60. I don't want to be I don't want to be jam packed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, still still in the rat race obviously the money side I'm sure if if you as you work your way up it's it's great. But yes um, there's a lot there's a lot more to life than than the money, right? Completely completely even take less money but for quality of life is the ultimate thing you're trying to Absolutely. get to um and, and that's one of the things if one is fortunate enough to you know if one works hard and has certain privileges i think southern africa offers a great quality of um of life but it's one thing to have that realization and then to say okay in fact, wait, before i even get there what are some of the things that like because you wanted to be exposed to a whole the one thing about working like the developed world is that you see a whole range of different things that you might not have been exposed to otherwise so what were some of the projects that you worked on that kind of like got your juices flowing mentally to be like yeah. okay i like this i like that because obviously Bereka wasn't there but there were things that you were seeing that were adding value to you you know so i i think i can 
pinpoint one project that I found quite fascinating. I got sent with um, my job to Singapore and we were involved mm -hmm. in a national utility KYC project. So that was overseen by the regulator in, mm -hmm. in Singapore. Um, and I was, I was thrown into the deep end um, where I was, you know, kind of an account manager for two banks and then managing a small team in Singapore. And that was, mm -hmm. it was pretty high intensity, but I learned a lot there from that. And mm. I really enjoyed the buzz of it and, and the hustle and, um, mm. you know, being, being thrown these, these challenges and trying to come up with solutions. I, I learned, I, I worked with a really awesome lady, um, that she always would find solutions to problems. And, and I enjoyed working with her, like, you know, picking her, picking her brain, finding ideas. Um, so mm. that was really cool. And that was, yeah, so that was trying to streamline how banks onboard clients. What was, what was her name? Just so, everyone, so she, when she hears this, she knows that she was instrumental. <laughs> so, that, so her name is Josie. Josie cool. Williams. Yeah, she's married, but Josie. Awesome. Cool. Now, just so she knows that she was instrumental. Shout out to Josie, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, so she's, so she's someone that I've met people like this before who you, problems come and they don't panic. No, she she was she was remarkable. I remember, mm. yeah. We, I mean, on one particular project I worked with her, she was managing like sixty people, and it was absolute chaos. Um, and and just watching how she managed that whole thing was really cool. Mm. So, mm. which I think is what you have to learn quite quickly when you when you start getting into your own always, business. With fire, fire is everywhere. It's uh, fire. And, <laughs> and how you manage that, what your reaction is, things are definitely going to go wrong. But it's mm. how you know if you can try. I, I think it's something that comes with age. So I'm I'm probably commenting when I haven't figured out how to do that yet. But I look at I look at my dad and how he reacts mm -hmm. to problems, and and then like how my brother or I act to you know react to problems, and it's very different. And I think mm -hmm. that's a maturity thing that that comes with age. But mm -hmm. some people have it younger, like like Josie. For sure, for sure. So so you guys are both working out on this project in Singapore in this KYC gig, and yeah. you say, okay, this is stimulating. It's really f fueling my intellect um and then yeah what happened with that project uh so so it was a three month long project and then that came to an end and then after that it kind of became business as usual again and then i think i came to the end of my end of my road there where i needed something different i needed to be a bit more stimulated so mm. yeah so i resigned and that's when i decided to move back to zimbabwe did you did you did okay here's the thing the the i like to look at like waves when i went to high school in i went i told you before when you spoke last week i, I went to high school in south africa and it's quite scary to watch like uh i don't know i was living in Joburg for four years five years before this and you like to i like to look at like trends or like the movies i'm like okay i've seen this certain parts and certain movies happen and the movie i grew up seeing is when everyone was like going to london or going to flying yeah. abroad and when I was like, when I was in high school, like you know, as moment, as you said, we were always we've had a culture of either you stay if you're lucky and fortunate enough you go abroad. I was one, the one of five of us that went abroad who were lucky enough to do so. Everyone wasn't going to UCT, Rhodes, Stellenbosch normally, which is which is good. Nothing wrong with that. It's actually better. Now it's like half of my matric year, almost half of my matric year is now in London or it's it's crazy. So the point okay. I make is that if, yeah, it's, it's pretty like staggering to say, whoa, in South Africa, that never used to happen. Now I was like, geez, that's scary. But the point yeah. I'm trying to make is that the wave is going that way. When you said, no, I want to go 
back did, did some, yeah. some of your <laughs> some of your friends say geez like alex what the hell man like this is not the wave this is not what we're doing right now the trend is to come I, not to I'm, I'm sure there were lots of them judging, <laughs> judging my decision, but um to be honest i i i was fortunate to have quite a few mates still still back in zim as well so they were obviously mm. happy to see me um the mm. ones in london probably thought i was a bit crazy coming back mm. Um, mm. but they'll, they'll probably be back in a few years zim's got this allure to it that pulls yeah, around to tell so, me about it. I'm literally yeah. podcasting. <laughs> you can't get away. You can't shake it off. You can't shake yeah. it off. Um, but it's, but then, did you know what you wanted to do? Like, did you know what you wanted to do, or did you just you know what I mean? Because you had to, you know, what was your? Um, I I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. No, mm. but um, I chatted to a couple of people, and I thought maybe there was a few, a few ideas that we could try. You know, delve into and see if something will come of it. And that's when um, I try to go for that that KYC utility. In, in Zimbabwe, um, mm. which, yeah, I tried to start, I think, two years ago, and mm-hmm. um, that that just, yeah, it was, like I mentioned earlier, that was quite mm. a big learning curve for me. Mm. So you've you've come back to Zim, oh, that's actually, sorry, I'm just having a bit of trauma, because I just did the same thing while I was in Scotland, moved back to Zimbabwe to start a business, did that for two years, and it, you learn a lot, learn, learn yeah. a hell of a lot, you get dealt, you know, it's just hectic. It's hectic. Yeah. Uh, but of course, my my project after two years failed. Um, but you know, I look back and I was like, "Geez, that was the best baptism of fire I could have ever asked for at a young age." Absolutely. So like, entrepreneurship isn't. It's cool, but it's not like a, it's not sexy. Don't do it for the sex no. appeal. It's not, no, it's, it's certainly not. <laughs> I think maybe sexy. hopefully down the line it is. Down the line, but not in the. <laughs> Majority of the time, it's certainly not sexy. It's hard. It's hard work. The grind. And, and there are fires, and also in the, in the, in, the, in the macroeconomic like macroeconomic environment like Zimbabwe, it's it's just like it's unpredictable. That's the word. It's unpredictable. Like every day is different. Yeah, and um, I think that's probably one of my. Well, I I love the unpredictability of of the work side, but then that's something that does frighten me as well as the unpredictability of of the macro environment in Zim. But then in mm. saying that, I think there's that saying, you know, in chaos lies opportunity. So um, it's funny. I actually wrote that. I wrote that down when I was doing my, my interview prep. Because when know. I was working, no, honestly, because when I was when I was doing going through my first entrepreneurial endeavor, like running a small team and having a factory, all of these things, there was a uh, a gentleman called Callum who started a company called ProBrands, who was really like just giving me like good mentorship and advice throughout the process. And I would go to his like factory and see where they started to see where they are now and to see their reach and see it's just it was just like staggering. Of course, I had a small factory that much bigger factories with much higher volumes and there were always problems. And he is like, no, he's like he just learned how to deal emotionally with problems. And his mindset was always like, there's a lot of chaos all the time, but I'm always looking for the. It's like I'm always looking for the opportunity. Absolutely. And that was the thing he said to me, like, always look for the opportunity. And initially, like, it's like, do, and I was like, do you ever get, like, I don't know if I should say that, but anyway, the point of trying to say, like, do you ever get, like, nervous? I do. Sometimes I get, like, overwhelmed, but eventually we find the opportunity yeah. and then we capitalize off it. And then I've seen that in this career time and time again. So that was, like, a powerful thing. So in the same light, I've seen many people who, in that same environment, who somehow they have the cool enough here to breathe. <sighs> And find like the eye and the you know find the opportunity in the yeah. chaos. So absolutely, 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I think uh, some people that I work with at Pareka and, and Mukuru, they they those eternal optimists, which is really refreshing to work with. Um, mm. Always finding, you know, solutions to problems and, and not finding the issues, whereas, which, is, which is an interesting mindset to have, right? Because it's quite easy to be pessimistic or negative um, over something. But, but when you work with people who find the optimistic, you know, solution to, to issues, it's, mm. really, it's really cool. Yeah, um, that's what also makes a great entrepreneur is is someone who can, you know, find find those solutions instead of solutions. Problems. Yeah, or know how to break down a problem, distill it. How can I break it down into pieces and then eat it for breakfast? Like I've, I was like, yeah. what? It's seeing that happen in real time is like, oh, problems are just things we eat. Like obviously it sounds sexy, but it's 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 hectic at the time. But I've seen people who are good at handling problems and then spinning them into even more. Yeah. profitable things um so okay so you've come back you've figured out the first thing hasn't really worked out um you've been dealt a hard uh, a tough hand by life did you ever say you know maybe i should that london that london job's not looking too bad right now maybe i should go back to to london or do a postgrad or, <laughs> or leave. Um, uh, it obviously it crosses your mind or it crossed my mind a couple of times but then right but then this Bereka opportunity kind of presented itself and, and mm -hmm. yeah, I thought it was something that I couldn't, you know, let, let go, let, let by. So um, that was short-lived, I think. That's good. That's and, good. Um, yeah. I guess that that's always a, a, a fallback option if, if things really don't work, but hopefully that's not the case. <laughs> I know. Failure is always the thing that's just always looking at you in the room, but you have to just like... <laughs> part of the thing but hopefully not fingers crossed so what so what do you i want to talk about like the idea of like we talked about problem and like now solutions um maybe how can i preface this part i'm trying to say uh, maybe i'll use an example there is a company called lyft in the united states lyft is like uber so l-y-f-t lyft is in the united states yeah yeah they were like a little pink mustache a little pink mustache on like their cars very cool Lyft used to be called Zimride. So I was doing the research with Lyft used to be called Zimride. Oh, and wow. the story and the story is one of their founders is like I forget his name, but this is we can I'm not, we can fact check me, you can literally check on this is fact. The guy was the co-founders were traveling through Zimbabwe. And then they were just thinking, like, man, California has this really big problem where 80% of seats are empty on the highway, but traffic is crazy. Everyone has like single seated, but of course, how can we think of this ride sharing thing? They're always thinking about this big problem called ride sharing, ride sharing. And then they came to Zim and then they saw, like, you know how we have like those, what do you call them, shika, shika or combis where people are like, yes, yes. Doing, yeah, exactly, people are like stuck oh, in the middle of the road. Yes, bro, those things that cut you off and they're so annoying. They saw that and they, they saw that they're like, oh my God, this is incredible. So they move back to, they, they go, this is incredible. They move back to California. They go back to California. Start a company called Zimride. After 10 or five or six or so years, Zimride rebrands into Lyft. Lyft is now a billion dollar company with a market cap of $3 billion. Wow. So the point I'm trying to say is that we talk about problems or solutions and that we're both in the same environment, seeing the same thing. Absolutely, yeah. And we talk about like how bringing first world to third world, but sometimes we... The point I'm trying to make is that, like, the problems that you are dealing with and trying to solve, it's also cool, like, to think that they aren't just for you. They can also be, no. like, leveraged 
everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? I mean, it's quite interesting, like this whole last mile space. I mean, it's something that hasn't, I mean, I don't know which company is, there's one company in Colombia that we follow, but it's called Rappi. They've kind of nailed it from, from what it appears. And they go for this hyper-local model, um, which we're trying, to, we're trying to emulate here. And it's fascinating how their business works there and how it's kind of Colombia and Zim or South mm. America, quite a few similarities. Very similar, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and also like in, in California, having issues with public transport, all of that, where in Zim, obviously public transport is a huge issue. So that's also, you know, something that, that Bereka offers is, is instead of paying the dollar or $2 to get the, the public transport to the booth, we'll bring the booth to you for $2. So it's kind of saving everyone a bit of convenience as well. Of, of course. And then it's just, the, it's just, of course, the booth. But then, like, if I can trust you with $2 and I can trust you with other things, I can say, okay, well, maybe you bring my cooking oil today. Yeah. Or maybe you can bring my, you know, all of the, the so many different things. I think, but it's about trust. Um, what has some of the happiest moments been and some of the worst moments been? Because it's, it's not, you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of great things to look forward to, but we can't be lying. We're lying to ourselves if it's all sunshine and Roses. No, I think um, some of the happiest moments so far in, with Barek, I mean, it's only been a month and a half, really. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, just, it's an early journey. But, it's cool. Um, it's cool. It, it's been really cool, you know, serving someone and seeing the smile on their face, particularly in Chitanguiza. I think people have never really experienced anything like this, where it, it's kind of first world te technology to some extent coming to, to Africa. Um, and when some dude rocks up at their house with their, their Mukuru cash, they, they're so shocked and mind blown. And it's, it's such a cool, you know, it's so cool to offer that and see the smile on their face. Um, and, and also serving those people in the hospital, we got, we got messages, you know, they sent us a video back in, in the main office to thank us. And that was really rewarding as well. Uh, just, just mm. to see that, that you actually, that you're making a difference as well. I mean, it's, mm. it's a life, Mukuru is a lifeline to a lot of Zimbabweans. Um, so it's, mm. it's really cool to, to be able to, to add on that and, and help them out. Um, that's incredible. And, and the, that's, a, that's a highlight, low light. Do you ever have a day like, gee, obviously it's early on and maybe it's too early to say, but yeah, unless it's I, all sunshine. I think, I think there, will, there will probably be lots no, they of will. No, they will, but I, I, I don't want to wall them on you. They will, but you're strong enough to handle them. You're strong enough to yeah, handle so, them. I mean, there, there's, right. been, there's been little things here and there that have been frustrating and challenging. Um, still early. Mm. Still early, still trying to figure out, you know, things with maybe sometimes operationally not going as mm. smooth as mm. planned, mm. or maybe like a glitch here or there with the tech. Mm. Um, but in saying that, we've got an awesome CTO who, who's, yeah, he's, he's really switched on. So our tech has been pretty... Pretty top notch so far. It's been Thank good. It's been yeah. good. It stays that way. Um, on the on the tech part itself. So I was. So you go WhatsApp. Of course, I saw on the website like some of the things. Yeah. WhatsApp, and I think that's probably the the smartest way to engage with people, right? Because WhatsApp, everyone is familiar with. So you guys just, as opposed to having an app for now, WhatsApp is kind of the easiest way to do it, right? Yeah, and and I don't think. I mean, I don't think we've got plans anytime soon to go to that app type model. Um, mm. WhatsApp uh, caters for majority of our needs, which is which is really awesome. I mean, lots of people, majority of Zimbabweans use WhatsApp, um, so mm -hmm. it's a really easy way for people to come in and sign up. Um, pretty mm -hmm. frictionless. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas when you're kind of asking for someone to download an app, there's 
a lot more issues that come with that. So you're obviously asking someone to use their data to go onto the app store. Um, mm -hmm. And you realize, you know, people don't really have that, that extra bit of money to spend on a data bundle to download. So we're trying to make it as frictionless as possible to be able to sign up a customer. Mm. Um, and WhatsApp is, is so far the best solution for that. Why the name, of course, Bereka in Oshana means to carry or to carry. Well, specifically, it's using the context of carrying like a baby on the back. Who chose the name yeah. and why, why did you choose that name? Um, so, so it was one of the founders that, that chose the name. I think he just mm -hmm. thought it was really mm -hmm. cool. Um, and mm. yeah, you know what it's like, as you said. Yeah, of course. Like when you, it, to get touched <laughs> on your back. Um, we were all like that when we were kids getting every really cool. Every African child who was born in Zimbabwe or so that everyone gets carried on the back by someone as a child. Exactly. Back. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So that, that was the reason. Um, yeah. So good. Carrying carrying your Mukuru cash on the back or your groceries or whatever we're delivering to you. I love it. The name is genius. Um, so what's your I remember to bring us like uh two questions I want to ask to kind of bring us full circle. What is your what do you envision for the company? You know, of course, it's still in its early stages. I think it could be a really, honestly, a big business because there's technology as well, and the value proposition is very compelling. Um, but what's your, what does your blue sky look like? Do you know? Uh, yeah. So I think we want to try and expand throughout Zimbabwe as quick as possible. So mm -hmm. we're learning a lot with we we almost throughout the whole of Harare, not not just yet, but we're trying to get there. Um, and and the whole of Chittanguiza currently. But I think for me, it would be successfully rolling out to the rest of Zimbabwe this year. When mm -hmm. I say the rest of the Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, I mean, you know, your big towns where, where your mm -hmm. group is, uh, that would be really cool. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'd also like to get into delivering delivering other things. So not being able to, you know, not just your Mukuru cash, but if it's groceries or um, whatever there's a demand for. So we're still trying to figure, you know, look, look at different mm -hmm. animals who are wanting mm -hmm. to be delivered. Um, yeah, that that's the blue sky for Zimbabwe, and then hopefully we could we could roll it out regionally if it's successful. That's so exciting, and thankfully you have a lot of the data already there that can help inform what you can test, um, which makes it even more exciting. Um, and Zim, where we call what Zimbabwe, where we call home, place where we come from. Of course, you are there now. I'm abroad right now. But if it was like a book, I always ask. I always end off with like this question. Um, the Zimbabwean, like I look to look at Zimbabwe as like a, a, a book with many chapters. Some are positive, some are not so positive, but it's a plot. It always evolves. Um, and every right now in the public, unfortunately, like our narrative has been, it hasn't had been painted in the right light. Exactly. Yeah. It's not as positive as you would like for many reasons, right? Um, but of course, there are people like yourself who are doing work to shifted for the better but in your particular case what does it what does the shift in the Zimbabwe narrative look like for you um and it can be anything you know um what does it what does it look like for you um that that's a good question so i mean you you alluded to there saying zimbabwe's you, people only see neg the negatives right the negative mm. news you type in zimbabwe on google and you look at google images and it, and it looks like the worst place in the world but if you know when I've brought friends from overseas here, or um, everyone that I've spoken to that has visited Zimbabwe, they absolutely love it. Like the people, I think, are the friendliest people in the world. The mm. 
the nature is incredible. The outdoors, I think we've got the best, the best climate in the world. Um, I think there's so many positives about Zimbabwe. And I think trying to shift the narrative, it probably starts with every single one of us. I mean, Zimbabwe, Zimbabweans as a society, I think sometimes we, we like to be very negative um, mm -hmm. when things don't necessarily need to be negative. Um, mm -hmm. You know, politics gets brought into to everything. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think also... Everything. 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 <laughs> and, and I think someone's everything. mentioned it in, in one of your podcasts before, but if you, it might have been Kuda... Um, Mangwe. Mangwe. Yes, yes. Uh, if you go, if you want to see what's wrong with Zimbabwean society, you go to a traffic, well, a four-way, a four-way stopping, you know, where there's no traffic lights, and uh, so it would be quite nice to shift that yeah. that mentality where Zimbabweans are kind of looking out for each other a bit more, and and um, you know, just trying to be a bit more positive about the whole place because it's not all. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying things aren't tough. That mm. that it is tough for for a lot of people, but there's also mm. a lot of stuff we. We can be very grateful for absolutely and, and a lot of free stuff. the sun the weather you know oh. all, all of that stuff is is free that's not good that doesn't have to be influenced by by anyone so don't let people take away the happiness there can i tell you the older the older i grow i'm not like i'm eight years old i'm not saying that but the older i get i realize honestly like the best things in life are actually free the, honestly the best things in life like the like absolutely jumping into a lake or having the sun or having your family around yeah having your family around so those eating food nice food jumping into a lake just have being in the sun and having your family around those three things those are free those are free things to enjoy like obviously maybe the food of course but in zim often like this everyone's so generous you offer you those things are there in abundance yeah and then when you when you're abroad Obviously, you inherit new. I married. You inherit new family. All of these things, but you realize, like, man, like, when last did I see my sister? When last did I see my my mom and my dad? And you, you might have felt that in some way when you're in New Zealand or in London as well. Really? Um, yeah. So when you're on that tube, when you're on that tube and there, it's really gray skies and it's raining the whole day, <laughs> you think, like, God, <laughs> this can't be it. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, last question for me. Um, how can people help you? Is it just like, you know, of course, you guys are starting starting out. Like, what's the best way to be of value? Is it sending someone something via Bereka? What's the best way to be of service to you, the work that you guys are doing right now? Uh, thanks, Jimmy. So I think for us, it's just trying to get the word out there. So, you know, mm. people that people that are in the diaspora that are sending money home to their loved ones, mm -hmm. uh, just, just to let you know, we can now deliver that money to your loved ones in Harare and Chitanguiza. Mm. Um, mm. It's a small delivery fee at the moment. It's a promotional fee of $2. So if you kind of wanted to chuck in an extra $2 on top of your remittance, that would be a great mm. help for your, <laughs> your family members. Um, but, but just trying to, yeah, it, it would be great just to get the exposure. Um, you know, give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram, mm. which is mm -hmm. what we're up to. And, and yeah. That's all. Alex, thanks so much for the time. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. It's been very... Um, illuminating and I'm very excited about I was talking to my 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 wife I was like I don't think I understand how much potential this business has because I ordered something on Amazon uh, no I went to I woke up we ordered something on Amazon I went to gym and I was having breakfast the thing delivered and I said and I still I still can't believe how obviously that was like two hours and I remember like 10 years ago I had a friend who was living in the US and I was like and you're telling me you can order a pizza online on your computer and I said what no ways that's crazy. <laughs> that was 10 I was like, no way. He's like, I'm telling you. 
now of course <laughs> now of course you guys are and my big worry was like, how do you get like the person that is on 100 bucks a month how do you serve that person and you guys are literally doing that and once you wax that geez thanks to me yeah I mean, thanks, thanks so much for having me on here. It's been yeah. great chatting to you and really fun. Absolutely. And we'll put out the word. But yeah, Alex, enjoy the rest of your evening, my man. Take care. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate that. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Baby